Hey, what's up, y'all? It is Tuesday, which means it is time for another Hold That Podcast podcast, uh, your favorite LSU football podcast, at least according to me, your host, T-Bob Bear. I am joined by my co-host, Mr. Brody Miller. Brody, what's up, dude? Not too much, man. Uh, I'm, the big news in my day is basically that I have some leftover Taco Loco tacos to heat up later after the show's over. So that's really the, the height of my day, along with football returning a little bit. Wow. Fascinating stuff there. That right there is why you should subscribe to The Athletic, the premier sports writing site in the entire world. Uh, Brody writes over there for LSU. Uh, it is a fantastic site. If you go to at theathletic.com slash hold that podcast, you can get 40% off. Uh, it is so worth it. There are no ads, no BS, just super talented writers covering all your favorite teams. Like It's, it's my favorite site. Uh, with sports it's not even close uh and they also uh put this podcast on so big thank you to them for that uh brody miller it is kind of a big day today um in a way uh, even though it may not there's not gonna be like a ton of news to devour today in a way today is truly the start of the new season especially with the truncated spring that we got as today summer workouts have begun in earnest at louisiana state university uh how are you feeling about uh, about workout day here brody well it, it's almost a weird spot for us right because it's like it's exciting that there's finally like football back or athletes back and there's going to be workouts but it also like it's like we should be doing more, but there's not actually much we're really going to like learn from what's going on today. And like, it's just workouts in reality. So it's actually a weird time where we're like excited, but actually I don't know what to do with it. So I don't know, but at least there's some kind of some new debates to go on, right? That we can talk about position battles and all that without it feeling like it's pointless. So I'll take that as a win. Yeah. Yeah. It's not uh, going to be exciting from like a newsy standpoint. It's just exciting for me as a thing of like, okay, Things are moving forward. This new normal that we've all kind of talked about is being figured out. And, you know, football season just is getting one step closer. And I don't know why, but these last few days, more so than most, probably because of just how heavy things are out there right now and how kind of intense things are, um, I am missing the kind of uh, the port in the storm that sports can represent a lot of times and so with the NBA coming back on July 31st that's now getting closer and closer uh this feels like a step towards college football getting close to returning as well and uh on the docket today we're going to talk some LSU football I talked to coach O this morning we interviewed him on my radio show um I think one thing that he said today probably bears mention here and really stood out um Brody has an excellent article in The Athletic right now about Derek Singley Sr. working with the DBs that we'll check out. And then uh, maybe at the end, if we have time, uh, a little Pixar top five. I like how you didn't even you didn't give me any heads up on that. You're like, Brody, you better have a Pixar top five. Well, I just thought about it before the show. I have I one. It's ready to show. go. I, it doesn't need to be I mean, nailed my, down. Oh, I always have. Oh, really? You just carry that around with Dude, you? Dude, like, I spend a times? bizarre amount of my time just making obscure lists about what I think about things that nobody's ever asked. So if anyone ever comes up, it's like, 
top five taco places in Baton Rouge, like I have an answer. So I mean, yeah, I'm I'm ready for this. What do you think? Do you, do you have an idea of what maybe your most obscure list would be? Oh God, I mean, I mean, probably like if someone was like top Noah Baumbach movies, I'd have that list ready. You know, I mean, like that's probably as obscure as. Uh, you need to get you need to get super meta with it and make a top five list. Yes, of Brody's most obscure lists. And there you go. I mean, at that point, we're pretty money. Uh, okay. I mean, I think there's something to that. Yeah, we'll go on. No, 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 no. This is all you. Yeah, man. Sometimes the the, the internet recording is so hard. Sometimes and you hear every podcast you just talk about it, but like when you're trying to work off of those nonverbal cues like you can in a room it's just just a bit different but it's okay because it's part of figuring out the new normal like lsu today is doing today reporting back for duty and uh how it's going to work brody you've written about this what like they got like six workout groups of about 20 people a piece everybody in their own uh weight rack i'm guessing when they run that they will run with a level of social distance between them um do do you know at all have have you talking about it do you know what the current kind of rundown is because i talked about on my show this morning but 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 i'll give you just my memories of being a young 18 year old back in 2007 but do you know like do they do the 110 test today what what, what's on the doc i'll be honest i don't don't know what the the rundown is of the conditioning test and all that i would imagine i mean the way tommy moffitt spoke to me about two weeks ago was yeah i think I mean, pretty much they're waiting to see who can come in and do the conditioning test. And they, because I remember he told you, he told me that he thinks 85% will be able to. But I'm not sure exactly what it's going to look like because you can't have them all together at once. So you start there. And it sounds like what they're doing is basically six groups of, I mean, today, I mean, I know what they're doing is at least I think it was at 7 a.m. or 7.15 today. It's the first 15 to 20 person group. And it's basically six groups of 15 to 20 guys. But but I don't, I'll be, I'll be a real straight shooter here. I, I do not know exactly what the, the schedule is. Yeah, and, and I don't know now either. I, I want to say now for freshmen, there's like a little acclimatization period before they make them do the 110 test. And I don't know how COVID has affected that. So I'll just bring you back to what it was like for a young 18-year-old T-Bob Bear, fresh-faced, uh, long hair at the time, stepping onto campus and reliving uh, what was... I mean, this is a day that is burned into my memory, like, like laser burned into my memory where, uh, you know, we'd, we'd spent a summer at LSU essentially. So you'd kind of gotten... Uh, or wait, no, we hadn't. Sorry, I screwed that up. No, this was the first day. Yeah, you had, I had just arrived, I think that Friday. That Sunday night, we had a full team meeting, which was intimidating in and of itself because... Here I was, a kid who was a big LSU fan, and then all of a sudden I'm sitting in a room with like Glenn Dorsey and Early Doucette and Matt Flynn, and that was weird in its own way because I'm surrounded by these guys that like I, I thought I was a very much a fan of. But you have that Sunday night meeting where Moffat tells you, you know, look, I don't care if you get run over by a train. You better drag your bloody ass in that weight room on time. And it's like, oh man, Moffat, you were so nice to recruit you. What happened? All of a sudden, everything has changed. And then the next day, listen to what they used to make us do. The true freshmen would have to wake up. Um, they'd have to lift at 7 a.m. So you wake up super early, uh, or what was super early at the time. You lift at 7 a.m. You do heavy bench squat clean 
Uh, so you're tired. Then you leave. And then you go to class. And that's weird in and of itself because it's your first college classes ever. I came from like a strict private school. I remember like, I think I wore like pajamas the first day because I was like, fuck yeah, dude, I can do this. This is wild. But then you go to class, you're getting that schedule figured out. You're getting your tutoring figured out, all this stuff during the day. And then at four o'clock, you got to be back out there on the field, hottest part of the day, and you got to run 26 110s. And it had this great kind of dazed and confused vibe where all the older guys showed up and they're lined up on the sides of the field and you have your kind of like your Ben Affleck characters and they're just talking shit to you the whole time. You got your Randall Pink Floyds who are being encouraging and like spraying you down with water and just everywhere in between. I think it would actually make a great movie scene in a football movie, but, uh, but man, it, it was, it is just a day. I remember being so damn anxious waiting for that 4 PM kickoff. Cause like many freshmen, I hadn't done what coach Moffat had told me to do. I hadn't done what I was supposed to do. And I'll never forget, you know, you work out in the morning. I was like, okay, that went pretty well. I feel good about myself. I matched up strength wise. Uh, but then I'm sitting in class and see the older guys could knock out the one ten test in the morning. And so later that day, I have some classes with guys who were like a year or two ahead of me. And the whole time they're just kind of looking at you and they're just kind of smiling. Their hard work is done. Their hay is in the barn and they know you are just about to enter a world of pain. And I will never, ever forget being in the basement of Lockett in sociology class and just being like panicky super anxious, <laughs> super fearful. Like, am I going to die? Like, what's this going to be like? And then sure enough, it was horrible. It was terrible, but I made it through it. And the endorphins of being in that cold tub. And all of a sudden I'm like with Herman Johnson, like for some of these cats, maybe like all of a sudden they were, it's like Jamar chase or something. I don't know. It just felt so wild. I felt so accomplished. I was like, okay, man, I'm a, I'm a college football player now. And then you had to wake up and do it all again the next day and the next day. I have so, and the next. I have so but much. But that to come first day, here. oh, that first day was just, it was just, it, like I said, I remember it as vividly as I remember any day in my life. That, that's how much it, it, it meant to me. There's a bunch I want to comb through here. First off, I got to say, a shockingly well done Tommy Moffat impression. I mean, the cadence was there. The tone was there. I'm impressed. Because you don't hear a lot of Moffat impressions. You know, you always hear the O impressions or the Ensminger impressions or a lot of guys. I don't think I've ever heard a, a good Moffat one. So well done. During, uh, during one tens one time, he told me, T-Bob, your ass is so wide, I could spell Mississippi across the back. And I always thought that was uh, I always thought that was really. Funny. I don't know if I love that one because I mean that's just up to how big you write. I mean, like you, I can spell just about <laughs> anything on a butt. I mean, I, I get where he's coming from, but I mean, that's like, like half the alphabet, though. So yeah, is there is there a is there a clear font size we all agree on? I don't know, but I'll move on. Two, okay, someone asked this, like. I love that the days of confused parts. Like, who was your Randall Pink Floyd? Like, who were the guys who were just like day one, like helping you out? Okay, okay. One of the guys was Ryan Miller, yeah, who remains a dear friend and like an older brother to me to this day. Um, Herman Johnson. Ooh, he was, was a very cool guy. If I remember correctly, with maybe, with maybe yeah, Herman's like one of the nicest, coolest people I'll ever meet. He he just maybe had a little more kind of like fucking with you in there than Ryan who was like pure encouragement Saron Black was a little bit more on the Ben Affleck side of the spectrum kind of 
kind of mess with you. Lyle Hip probably would have been in the Randall Pink Floyd camp. Um, it just, I mean, yeah, it, it was, it was, it was really wild. Like the, the pressure of kind of thinking that the coaches are secretly watching the pressure of knowing the older guys are there. Coach Moffitt's watching. Also, there's the element of this is your first measuring stick against your fellow freshmen, right? Like I failed the test miserably. I finished, but I failed. I'll never forget Josh Dorosic. All six, five of them out there looking like a freaking gazelle just eating up the yards or or Chad Jones just like looking like he was barely breaking a sweat. It was uh, uh, Drake Nevis dominated. Drake Nevis might have finished the last rep in like under 15 seconds, which is the skill time that you have to make. Oh, and I guess for those who don't know, the 110 test is you have to run 26 110s um skill positions had to make it in under 15 seconds mid skill had to make it under 17 and big skill had under 18 which to me is a joke that a 220 pound quarterback or fullback has just one second less or i get just one second more than them when i weigh 300 but that's a side point but you'd have to run 26 of those a minute rest in between it is really damn tough okay my next question is i mean what okay? First off, like you you failed your first time, but you made it through. I mean, what like do they say to you? Like, what is that next few minutes like after you fail? How do they treat you? Uh, I mean, a lot of people fail that first. What day. percentage would you say? So it was that like big thirty percent. Um, I mean, I don't know. I honestly don't remember that part. I'm thinking it might have been closer to about like sixty past forty okay. failed out of the freshman group. Um, I mean, it took me years to pass a 110 test. I'm a beast at short stuff, ladders, stuff like that. Um, yeah, like I'll go toe to toe with anybody on ladders, but I got, you know, I got, I got a weird body. I don't have a great stride. One of my legs is significantly taller than the other. I said that. I'm like, I'm, the, the, the quote that I always go back to is Gimli and two towers. It says, we dwarves are natural sprinters. We're wasted on cross country. That's how I used to feel about 110. And I, be- like, and I bet you like repeated tens? that way too often in public. <laughs> 40 tests. Yeah, Moffitt was not very uh, was not very appeased. Actually, no, I was probably too scared. To not a big Tolkien guy, that Moffitt. <laughs> I was probably too scared to say that in front of Moffitt. But yeah, man. So no, 110s are hard. Like, And e- even every year, like you would, I don't want to name names, but you would have, even at the test at the end of the summer, you would have some upperclassmen fail, like starters. Like guys who are very big members of the team, uh, but what you would have to do there is, if you fail that final test for the summer, then you have to wake up before two a days and before camp and run at five a.m., which is, uh, you know, it's a fitting punishment. It's a fitting punishment. It sucks, but you know, it kind of encourages you not to fail. Like we know of a certain LSU receiver who never passed in his four years and now no longer is there. Oh, really? Who who was that? All right, we guess we're not naming names. I didn't know that. Oh, I mean, D. Anderson, you know, was suspended his final season, and part of like a, a portion of that was he, he literally never passed the test. Wow. Okay. Okay. So me and D were in a similar boat. It took me until you guys have a lot in common. Yeah. Exactly. Um. So uh, okay. Any any other questions before we move on from allowing? No, I think I think it's man, time to get into it. An old man to uh, relive his. Memories. We'll peek behind the curtain there. We appreciate it. Fun first day, and it's all going down today on Tuesday because we all know that. Crazy storm rolled through yesterday that didn't actually end up being a storm in Baton Rouge. 
Literally didn't rain yesterday. No, I mean, even New Orleans, we actually kind of escaped a lot of the worst of it. Yeah. It kind of went north Which, of us. Which, you know so what? Lucky. I'm not one of the people that sits here and bitches about that. I'm okay. I'm okay with airing on the side of caution, and I'm okay with it working out Wait, where we didn't really need Who's it. bitching about a storm not hitting them? I just feel like you always get the people who, okay, so like they canceled LSU yesterday, right? You always yeah. get the people who are like, why are we canceling uh, all this stuff? It's like, okay, it is what it is, right? I mean, whatever. Let's just be happy the storm didn't hit that hard. Um, yeah, okay, absolutely. All right, so Coach O uh, came on the radio today, and we asked him about a lot of things. We asked him about, um, well, okay, off the bat, and I don't know if we, we should probably, if we wanted to, we could talk about how we feel about everything that's going on right now. But we asked him about his responsibility as a head coach, Um as you know, these protests are going on, right? In this fight for racial equality and, and for accountability. And I liked what he had to say. He said that he, he has a leadership council. These are 12 players that he self-appointed. I don't think this was actually voted on by the team. But he has a leadership council, and he got the council together, and he asked them, okay, what do we want to do? How can we be proactive? How do we want to respond to this? And it was Jacoby Stevens who really pushed the idea that they should all register to vote. And so now, uh, I can't remember exactly when, but the entire LSU football team is going to register to vote and uh, be be involved. And and I think, you know, I'm, I, I've not been the best about voting, so I can't sit here and criticize anybody else. But at a time when there's so many problems that are apparent, it, it does warm my heart to see a kid Jacoby Stevens' age being that active and being that solution oriented. Yeah, I mean, and we're also, I mean, we're seeing a lot of teams already be a little proactive and actually like make sure election day is off. You know, I think I've seen at least a handful of Power Five teams already do that where like they're giving the team off that day so they can go vote. And I think this is actually a, I mean, that's a very big step. I want to be clear, that's an awesome step. And this is almost like an even more like we're actually doing stuff kind of step in the sense that like, all right, you have to like register. And if you, I mean, that's the main thing that stops a lot of people from voting, in my opinion, is just being like, how do I register? That's a whole pain in the butt. Like, I don't know who to call. Like, shoot, I didn't register my car for like two years just because I was like paralyzed by the fear of not knowing what to do. But that's a whole different thing. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, I mean, so I, I think this is really cool. And then Jacoby Stevens, you know, because I tweeted what he said in the show. And then Jacoby Stevens quote tweeted it and was like, lead by example, real change. So I do think that there's something to the notion of you're seeing a lot of leaders around college football and rightfully so making a lot of statements. But it's a lot of like, well, you look bad if you don't make a statement, so they're just kind of making a statement. And I think it's actually, and there's the whole portion of people being like, well, actually do something. And, and here's LSU actually doing, you know, at least a small part to actually contribute to, you know, people having a voice and whatnot and actually having this leadership council and, and listening to what they have to say. I think that's actually, you know, a little stronger than a lot of people's words. So, yeah, I think it was a cool thing. And yeah, and and we've we've you know we've posited we talked to leadership on the podcast last week, and of course Jacoby Stevens came up as the likely defensive leader, and this would speak to him being uh, you know maybe the team leader as well. So uh, the head of he's the he's Jacoby. the first chair of the barber shop, so we know he's opinionated. Ah, there we go. Okay, I I forgot I had forgotten that. Uh, for those that don't understand that reference, Brody, give a quick rundown of the barber shop. <laughs> The barbershop is actually like my favorite thing that goes on at LSU, and, and I wrote about it back in August if anyone wants to go read it. But yeah, I mean, it's basically like LSU just has this 
basically a debate club that's like organically happen in the trainer's room every day that is basically just like Garrett Brumfield, DJ Shark, John Battle, and some of these guys like three years ago just having these like big political or just conspiracy theorists or all these different debates or like music debates or NBA debates. And it became like this organized thing. So eventually trainer Jack Marucci kind of actually made it like organized. And there's always a first chair who kind of leads the debates and is like the main guy. And there's a second chair who's the, you know, obviously self-explanatory second in line. And then just a lot of different guys get involved. So it's, and you know, they were, they lost all their big leaders. So the fun thing last year was like, who's going to be the new guys? Who's going to be the new leaders? And apparently Jacoby Stevens is the the first chair now. So, and he car- he took it last year and he's obviously carrying it this year. So that's my favorite like little nugget about lsu uh so yeah stevens man really emerging in all of this and real quick just because of public forum and i like to state my piece again because i want to do it everywhere that i am um look i believe in the black lives matter movement i believe in increased accountability i believe in striving to fight against this racial injustice and i and i believe that until change is made um, I believe that you're going to continue. There's just, if change is not made, friction will continue to just be, be, be riled. Friction will continue to build until it explodes like you have seen recently. And I am actually kind of, uh, encouraged by America's attention span that people have stayed on this and have continued to strive. I hope that actions follow, you know, positive, like legislative actions follow this incredible effort that's put and put out there and before anybody misconstrues my words this does not mean that i do not support the police either i know many policemen who have played big roles in my life i love many policemen the vast majority of policemen are good people who are doing very selfless jobs and they don't get paid well and they lay it all on the line for their communities but just like america itself no one is perfect your kids are not perfect. You love your kids to death. You recognize that. You critique them. You want them to get better. I want the country to get better. I want policing in the country to get better as well. And I hope they get higher paid, right? I mean, I hope all of these things. So that's that. That's my piece on the situation. No, I mean, I, I guess I just want to quickly want to say, first off, I think you settled that perfectly, and I completely agree. And the one just counter I always make to people is if you think something is not true or made up or like this stuff is exaggerated ask yourself if you've actually experienced it or if you've ever actually been anywhere near it because i think it's it's always funny when it's the people who have never come across something that are the ones saying it's not true well it's not true to you but you need to listen to people and i I mean how would you know if it's not true if you don't live that life so that's all i'd end with and then we can segue over it's well said and i completely agree um now to get back to lsu football in the Hold Up Podcast podcast. The other thing that Coach O said this morning that stood out to me, asked about running backs, and this kind of jives with some uh, just some whispers that you hear come out of the building, but we've been looking for maybe who's first in line in that running back position. Dude, I think they really love some Chris Curry. And, and that's fascinating because I think, you know, they always – they've basically since that Peach Bowl start that he got – They've kind of always listed him first, right? You know, when they are going through yep. the running backs, they always say him first. They say he rose up the depth chart, but you, you know, you never know if that's just like, hey, he's the veteran in the room, so he gets first dib. So for you to kind of hear that, I really, I'm curious, kind of what you've heard and what 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 makes you say that exactly? Um, it's just that 
Uh, I've, I've, I've heard that him and Kevin Falk have a very good relationship. And obviously, Kevin Falk is the running backs coach there. Um, there is some story, you know, and you got to take all this stuff with a grain of salt, but that like maybe before that game that Falk uh, kind of advocated for Curry, like was asked, like, who would you who, who, who would you play? And, and, and that's who he said. And sure enough, he got that opportunity and look what he did with it. And, and I mean, that, that's another thing. Like, look at what he did do with the playing time he got, and then combine that with these an upperclassmen, and it makes a lot of sense that he would kind of uh, be in that driver's seat. And and to me, he's another example, a la even a Patrick Queen from last year, where if you're a young football player out there and you or you have a child who is, and he's maybe a bit frustrated about playing time, um, there's something to be said for staying the course and working your ass off. Because think about what Chris Curry had to witness. So it's a season in which the running back group entered being wide open. He then lost the job to Clyde Edwards-Alaire. Clyde was so dominant that almost no one played. And then when anybody did get a chance to crack, it was the other two guys in front of Curry consistently Shoot, through the I'd year. say he was fifth on the depth chart. Because keep in mind, Leonard Fournette didn't leave until like right. week three or four. I mean, well, he was so fifth. crazy Leonard Fournette left. Damn. Wow. Okay. So that's like the perfect foil for this conversation, right? Leonard Fournette leaves. He doesn't get a ring. He doesn't get all these special, amazing memories. He did all the hard work. It sucks for him. He did all the hard work and then missed out on a lot of the payoff. Chris Curry stays, keeps his nose to the ground, all the cliches, keeps grinding, keeps working, and he's rewarded with a start in a semifinal, in a playoff game. And then he kicks ass in that start. And he goes on now to, because he showed that he can do it on that stage, now it looks like he's going to have the opportunity to do it again this fall. And he earned that through practice. That's the word, too, is that he practiced really well last year. And if you've ever been in the grind of a full season, I don't care, any level, Little League, high school, if you're not playing, it is not always easy to stay locked in during practice. And so I love that Chris Curry was rewarded for that uh, for that very team-first mentality. Yeah, and... And I mean, yeah, because from what I remember, I mean, it was basically proved himself by doing really well as the scout team running back. And I don't think that's a story you hear that often of a guy basically doing so well on scout team. He earns himself, you know, the number one on the depth chart. And and I and I do. It is interesting that the Kevin Falk, you know, angle might be a big part of this because I remember hearing like little bit bits or pieces that, you know, because a huge part of Kevin Falk's job before as director of player development was. I mean, it's talking to guys who are angry or upset about stuff or guys who are dealing with stuff and kind of helping them through it. And for I remember hearing little things that I think Chris Curry was one of the main guys who kind of, I mean, I think Clyde Edwards-Hilaire was actually the number one guy, but Chris Curry was a big one who went to him a lot when he was upset or thought about, you know, those thoughts go through your head of leaving and stuff like that. And it sounds like Falk was actually a big part of that. So that is kind of, that's probably a story for me to do in the next few months is that kind of that relationship and that unity that might lead lead here. And so my next question to you is, so, okay, let's just, this is a hypothetical, but say Chris Curry just flat out does earn that number one spot. And it maybe even, I still think it's going to be mainly by committee, but say carves out an actually sizable role and gets most of the carries. What do you think that means for the offense? Just in the sense that this is a spread air it out five, four five wide kind of offense. And he is a, you know, five eleven, two hundred twenty pound, you know, bulky power back. I guess, what do you, do you think that makes any difference on just kind of how this offense runs philosophically and what they do? Or do you think it just kind of, it just weeds, it works itself out? 
So ultimately, maybe this is where um, I expose a lot of this conversation is having not a ton of value because it'll all change <laughs> once they start practicing, right? Like he may be first in line. But I do think if you can't run routes and beat a linebacker consistently in one-on-one -on -one coverage in this offense, then you're going to struggle to play as much as Clyde Edwards-Alaire did. Like, like, like maybe Curry becomes the short down specialist. Maybe he becomes, you know, more of a running down specialist. Um, but I do feel for, because we, we always talk about running backs and pass protection having a pass block. And that remains very important. But now if, if, with LSU being willing to do five-man protections and willing to trust their running backs on routes, I think that skill is just as, if not more important than blocking. So I guess the way to answer that is it all depends on if Curry, um, where his skill set at, and, and, and can he become that route runner and catcher that maybe we don't see right now. Which is interesting because, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but of the four running backs they have on the roster, and at least the three that are coming back, and Curry, Davis Price, and Emery, I mean, I think it's safe to say pass catching and route running and those things are not necessarily part of any of their arsenals and like as a pre-existing notion yes. like none of them are known for that not just because they're big like i mean john emery's the one that you would assume from a skill set talent standpoint would actually be really good at it and that was his biggest weakness by by far and sure i think we've learned that his, his eyesight was a problem and that got fixed so maybe that's a big hypothetical but we'll see what happens there but regardless point is none of those guys that was a strength and and again we're not at practices we don't see all of it so maybe curry or Davis Price or Emery has become really good at that, and we're just missing it. But you, yeah, you that, brought that, up that, that's going to be the deal, right? Because you're right; it's not in any of their natural kind of scouting reports. So who's just who's the best at it? Who's perfected the craft the most? But I wonder. Yeah, I, don't know. I wonder. Like, does is there a chance this also leads to? Say it, it just isn't. You know, say they act, all three running backs are actually really good running backs, but say none of them are actually ever really developed that skill that well of of going out for passes. Do you see LSU in a year where their their receivers and tight ends are pretty loaded? Do we see them go empty even more with five wide? Do we see that act like? Do we really see them commit to that even ten percent more? That's do you just, mean? These do are you all mean a, do you okay? So you mean like a true five wide, not eleven personnel? Like we move the running back out five wide? No, like four receivers and a tight yeah, end. I, I, I just wonder. I'm, I'm no, not. Definitely. This is all me chucking theories at a wall, but I'm curious. No, I, I think you would. I think the the eleven personnel angle last year was a bit of evolution. I don't know if it started out with that being the goal. I feel like it was kind of like. They they it just happened that way. Um, so we'll, it remains to be seen. Uh, all right, Brody. These last couple of minutes, I want to yeah. pick your brain on your Pixar top five. Um, and the reason I say this, we did this on a little fun show I do with a couple of the producers for my show. Now we did I did my own top five, and then we also did a group top five where we sat there and. Uh, like debated them. So what? What are what are Brody Miller's Pixar top five movies of all time? Okay, so I'll go quick because we don't have that much time. And I always have to very much clarify these things, but sometimes you have to say it's not necessarily a best list. It's what I think are the what are my five, you know. And that's always important, I think, to clarify. Okay, context. We don't okay. have time for it. Let's go. My Let's five are it. in no particular order: Toy Story, Finding Nemo makes the cut, another classic. I will go to bat for Toy Story 4 any day of the week. I just really think that's a classic and one of the most five. nuanced. Whoa. I know. And I will fight for it. I think it's actually like the most nuanced one. 
I go there, I go Incredibles makes the cut, and then the fifth spot's really hard for me, but I think I have to go Inside Out. Okay, I was about to say, if Inside right, Out up. doesn't make your top five, you're just... I do have thoughts on this. ...half the thespian that you think you are. Um, <laughs> I don't think My I top go. five, and this is in order, from one to five. Number one, Toy Story. Easy, speaks for itself. Number two, Inside Out. Unbelievable. Uh, number three, Onward. It's a very personal choice. I get not a lot of people are going to follow me there. This movie speaks to me in a way that very few movies ever have. And then I'm going Toy Story 3 and then Toy Story 2. Three Toy Stories in my top five. Finish out my top 10. I then go Incredibles, Wally, Monsters, Inc., A Bug's Life, Brave. I know, I'm, I'm due for a Wally rewatch because, I mean, a lot of people like will make an argument that's the best one. So I actually need to do a rewatch. It's damn good, dude. Toy Story 2, you make fun of me. That's like the hipster pick. And a lot of like critics actually consider that the best Pixar movie ever, too. So, I mean, I, I respect it. I haven't watched it in a few years. It didn't hit me at the time as much as I, some others. But I, I like that pick. I'm just going to make it. I mean, you, I, am, I am so balls deep in Pixar right now due to this pandemic and having kids. Yeah. Like I've watched these movies so much lately. So we 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 met as a group. I met with my producers who were like twenty one and twenty five and twenty eight. So nice little, I got, I got the full millennial decade there. And our final five list was number one, Toy Story. Number two, Monsters Inc., which just randomly yeah, that's a good kept one. Kept getting bumped up in convo. Don't know how it happened. Number three, Toy Story two, which they advocated for very hard. I was a little surprised. Number four, Cars, which I give or take, but sure. And then number five, Coco actually snuck in yeah, that's to that one. list at number five. But uh, yeah, yeah, the only thing I'd say is, and this is where I will go full like snob, it's, it's, but this is just my personal read on it. Like I'm not saying I'm right, and I know we don't have much time, so I'll be quick with it. Toy Story 3 is like the one that everyone points to as like, the best and like it's the most emotional one, and everyone's like, oh, it's just so deep. And, like, you know, and I have a thing on this it's i think toy story 3 is very good actually it's probably my top 10 but i don't think of it as that much of like a cry it just has the one big cry at the end which i think is more tied to like our own nostalgia of like saying goodbye and all that stuff and okay okay we gotta go we gotta go i gotta wish you could respond to this we gotta go there's a hold that podcast podcast <laughs> find me on the athletic theathletic.com slash hold that podcast we'll be back more next tuesday with your hot LSU football action. Brody, thank you so much, man. Thanks, you. Thanks for listening, guys.